Welcome to this edition of At The Mic. I'm your host, Keith Malinak. This week, I sat down with a sports and Bitcoin enthusiast, Jill Savage. That's coming up. First, I want to take a moment to remember someone you are very likely familiar with. A friend and co-worker and radio legend who we lost way too soon, the irreplaceable Doc Thompson. This month, in conjunction with American Pride Roasters Coffee, we're remembering Doc and what a great person he truly was. I can't tell you how many times I've thought of Doc and how he would have been such a great guest to have here on At The Mic. His amazing personality, his knowledge, his incredible sense of humor, they, they would have made for the greatest of conversations. Doc was also a very kind person. He really helped APR Coffee get going strong when he fell in love with their amazing blends. Back in 2019, when Doc was suddenly taken from us, APR set out to create a coffee that would represent his legacy in a fitting manner. Doc's family shared a joke about the easing of other family members into bad news when a pet died. Instead of saying, the cat died, they would just say, the cat is on the roof. Which is why the coffee named for Doc Thompson is aptly called On the Roof. On the Roof isn't a novelty coffee. It has a serious flavor. Pure Kenyan beans, full-bodied and malty, but versatile enough to be awesome in a French press. A cold brew, or virtually any brew method, really. There are four different labels randomly selected that are different images of Doc, but they're made up of hundreds of smaller images of him, all submitted by fans, family, and friends. It's truly a wonderful tribute. I hope that you'll try the On The Roof blend or any of the other amazing flavors available at aprcoffee.com. When you get ready to check out, use offer code ATM. You're going to get 10% off of your purchase. That's offer code ATM over at aprcoffee.com. You're listening to At The Mic with Keith, an independent podcast production. Jill Savage may have a background in sports broadcasting, which we're going to definitely discuss today, but she also tells us how she got interested in politics. She's also big into the world of cryptocurrency, and recently Bitcoin mining has become a passion of hers and her family. Jill sat down recently, and we hit the record button for this episode of At The Mic. Jill, thanks so much for stopping by. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yes, let's talk about your life story, which actually, if I'm not mistaken, is going to not cross paths with me necessarily, but we're going to have some areas in common, it sounds like, just based on the fact, well, let's just start. You were born and raised in Iowa. Correct. So you went to the University of Iowa. Correct. So right, right off the bat, you and I are mortal enemies. Because I went to the University of Nebraska, and you guys constantly beat us in football. I don't appreciate it. So we have to hate each other. Yes. So we're starting off on a good foot. This is going to be a good conversation. Yeah. So how was it growing up? Because you you grew up in Iowa, like your entire childhood, correct? Yeah. I was yeah. born and raised uh, in West Des Moines uh-huh. area. It's different than Des Moines if you're if you're in the oh wait hold in on in the area. <laughs> hold on. How how was. Do tell. How Des Moines is, is just like downtown, and it wasn't great back in the day. They've they've done a good job revitalizing okay. it. But West Des Moines was just the burbs. We we okay. lived in the suburbs, so right. that was that was the big line of distinction. If but West Des Moines, different. Okay, so if you're trying to convince somebody that living in Iowa, specifically West Des Moines, what's the biggest draw to that town? Oh, when I was a child? Well, uh, sure, then and now. Like, like, sell us on West Des Moines, Iowa. The nicest people, 
And yeah. that that is one of the things that if people get transferred in from other locations, they were like, we're never leaving. The people oh, cool. are great here. Yeah. And it's a great school system. Uh-huh that are public schools, but are still actually good. They actually still do their job. Low cost of living. You Uh can live in a a nice home, a nice community, in a kind of easy way of life, right? Like you don't have all of those outside pressures and and all that, a big city living. Yeah, the Des Moines area seems to be the perfect size for somebody like me who wants the benefits of the big city, but does not want the big city. And in fact... Before we move on any further, I will say that uh, the inaugural sponsor of this podcast, American Pride Roasters Coffee, is brewed right there uh, in the Des Moines, Iowa area. You're welcome. There you go. I love how it came full circle there. So I love the Midwest. I love it. And I love the, the pace of life. And But I, I will say I've never spent any kind of amount of time in Des Moines. I need to do that. Is it, It's better than Council Bluffs, right? Anything is better than Council Bluffs. Thank Sorry hey, to look, the people of Council Bluffs. But look, now, but now we have something we, in we common. We are building bridges Yay. so early on here. Yeah. Okay. So you're obviously big into sports. I mean, that's your background. You've spent, uh, I guess, the last 13 years in that field. When did you first get interested in wanting to be a sports reporter. So I grew up sitting next to my dad and whatever he liked, I mm-hmm. liked. So it was sports, history, politics, right? It was oh, that's all that, of That's it. a trifecta. More it, bridges being built. It was everything. Yeah. Um, so I was like, God, Reagan and Rush, right? Like when I was a child, <laughs> like more trifectas for you. There you go. Uh, that's, that's what it was. And I was a child when BJ Armstrong played at Iowa. Okay. And I would just go around and start cheering for him. And and that was it. Like, I was just so into Iowa basketball and then Iowa football. And by fourth grade was when I first watched my full NFL game by myself. My parents went to a Kansas City Chiefs game with my aunt and uncle. And I said, oh, well, they're going to be at the game. Obviously, I'll see them on TV. <laughs> I did see them on oh, TV, wow. which was the best part about oh. it. And I was like, no, because you were wearing this and th- this is how you were sitting. Oh, and they were cool. like, yeah, actually, you did see us. Wow. Um, who who so, are the Chiefs playing, though? I don't remember, really? unfortunately. Yeah, okay. I just remember it was the Chiefs game. Okay, sorry. Uh, but I knew the NFL then by junior high. Right. Wow. And like all the boys are like, oh, she actually knows what she's talking about. Nice. Like it kind of blew their minds. Yeah. Um, and so by high school, I was in our fantasy football league with my dad, my uncles and my cousins. And I won it my freshman year of high school. So you can imagine how good these guys felt that like we lost to a girl. Uh-huh. We lost to a freshman in high school. That's awesome. Um, so, yeah, that, that was it. I was always into sports um, and went to the University of Iowa for the cheap football and basketball tickets, right? Like education, cool. Football and basketball, front row. Hey. Little uh, money, sign uh, me up. uh, I'm with you. In my four years at the University of Nebraska, the school won three national titles. Okay, all right. Lost just two games. Yeah. It was a fun time, but the tickets were typically around, you know, 11 bucks or so, depending on the game. There's a little bit of a spike in them. If the, if the game was a big one like Colorado or something coming to town. Sorry, I mean, there's not many opportunities that I get to brag about the University of Nebraska. I thought I would take my opening. Sorry to steal your thunder there on the uh, football stuff. But uh, please stop beating us in football, by the way. I mean, I'm friends with a lot of the Nebraska coaching staff. Yeah, I wanted so to get into that. Let's talk about that because that's really cool. They were in Eugene, Oregon yeah. when I was there. So I moved from Iowa to Portland and worked a radio on TV job. Right. It was my first job right out of college. 
just doing like what Hillary does here for the Blaze, kind of, mm-hmm. for a sports programming show. Nice. Um, and that sounds like fun. It, so you it have was. basically guests come in and, and talk about stuff? Or? Oh, I, I, no, I was the difference between the TV breaks and the radio breaks, right? Like it's like six minutes in radio, okay. and you can't have a six minute commercial in television. Sure. So I was that filler I see. in the middle. I see. Okay. For all of that. So that was that was a fun job and moved on from there to go cover the Oregon Ducks. Oh, cool. So I started hosting their pregame show. So it was an hour long pregame show, a couple directors chairs right there in the end zone on the field during warmups of oh, the fun. games. Chip Kelly was the coach. He had just taken over. So this, you want to talk about like the heydays of, right. of a sports program. It was right there with the University a, of Oregon. Okay. So and then so Nebraska's head coach in previous quarterback Scott Frost was the offensive coordinator during this era. Yeah, he started out as the wide receivers coach right. there yep, yep, and then moved up uh, eventually to the offensive coordinator. So that was the best part um, was just coming in. And, and Scott had moved from Iowa to Oregon about six months before I did. Okay, um, He was at the University of Northern Iowa before that as the co-defensive coordinator there. Um, and so he brought yeah, one of his right. buddies. I forgot who the is, NFL. He played both sides of the ball. That's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he brought um, one of his buddies, who's now Nebraska's defensive coordinator, oh, who cool. was a paid coach at UNI, took um, an internship at Oregon, just thinking, like, stick with Scott. This will go a long <laughs> way. Um, and so he was from Iowa, played at Iowa. So we had a lot of things in common. So we all all hung out there in the Eugene area. And now it was pretty cool because half of my apartment complex is now like the Nebraska coaching staff. That's that's really cool. What a small world, huh? So do you guys still stay in touch? Are you friends? I mean... That, yeah. that, that sounds like it sounds like a, a it was a tight knit group there. It was, yeah, mm-hmm. it was a fun group. I still talk to them uh, every now and then. I took a big road trip during COVID last summer because what else was I going to do? Mm-hmm. So there wasn't much going on in the way of sports, as you may recall. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I took a five week road trip throughout the Midwest from Arizona, where I eventually made my way to. Okay, um, back up and just stopped in Colorado along the way, and then Nebraska for a night and stayed actually with the. The defensive coordinator, his wife, and his three children now. So oh, it was cool. it was cool to, to catch up with them and, and see all of them again. That's awesome. Okay, so you've covered a lot of ground as far as, you know, Portland. I think you, you had a stint, a brief one in San Francisco. Yes, yeah, so uh, that was, was where that our company was headquartered. That was interesting, to say the least. How so? Uh, there were a lot of homeless people on the streets, and I was cool with the homeless people that I knew, right? Like, they were my people. Uh-huh. I see you every day. I got you. You're at the same spot part, every part of day. Your, part of your commute. And then there were the crazies. And you'd cross the street, even if it was out of your way, just to avoid sure. oh, all absolutely. of like, that. Play it smart. I don't want anything to do with that. I'm I'm just trying to get to work, people. Leave me alone. <laughs> I'm not going to look at you when I ask this question, but how many piles of human feces did you see on your... Oh, well, that yeah. that was a real thing. And I yeah. I think that the... <laughs> it'll say capitalism to you. <laughs> they actually came up with urine repellent paint for the outside of buildings no. in San Francisco because they had such a problem with the homeless just going anywhere. And so then they're like, you know what? If we come up with this, maybe they'll stop if it if it comes back on them. Wait, so what? So what does it do? I don't understand. I mean, it repels it. It doesn't sink into the wall anymore. It's just a barrier between the wall. So you just splash water. Yourself. We'll just go with water at the wall, and it'll just kind of come back at you. Let's we'll just go with water. Okay. 
Oh, such an interesting part of America. San Francisco, California. That was huh? a one year. That one I, t- year. I told my bosses, I was like, you could double what you pay me right now, <laughs> and I still would not understand that's paying $3,000 for a studio apartment. I was just about to say, that sounds like one of those jobs where the lease period on your apartment dictates your situation more than your actual job. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so then Arizona, uh, hot there. Hot right. there. Yeah. Yeah. But now you're in But Dallas. I was on an airplane uh-huh. every Thursday oh, yeah. and Sunday, basically. So for 14 straight weekends during college football, that's the life. But let me ask you this, because there have been points in my career where this has applied, and let's see if it applies to you. You're a big sports fan. Correct. You're a sports reporter. Yes. So hold that thought for just a second. When I, for example, ran a radio station in Charleston, South Carolina... We had to set up the station on Saturdays and Sundays for Gamecock stuff and Carolina Panthers stuff. So while I always, always, always look forward to the impending football season, I also at that time in my life looked at the weekends fast approaching with dread because there was so much work involved around the edges of that. You're traveling, you're covering games. You're not getting to sit back with beers, and I don't even know if you drink beers, but sit back and, and watch sports on TV because you're working. Does that kind of dampen that vibe? I absolutely resonate with that, and mm-hmm. that's one of the unexpected things, right? You're like, oh, I love sports. I'm going to go into the sports industry, but yeah. my games, whatever time they kicked off, you know, like maybe I would be able to watch an Iowa football game because they have that 11 a.m. Yeah. Central kickoff. Uh, maybe they would start soon enough that I could at least catch the first half before I would have to go to my game because I have to get there usually three hours before the game starts. I would do pregame interviews with the coaches and I would have to get there before the coaches do, set everything up. Um, So my whole day was shot. So when I was working with the Pac-12, we would also have different... um, they would they would cut the games for us so i could have them on my ipad later that night or the next day okay so just to try and stay up with work i even wouldn't watch much of the nfl the next day Mm -hmm. i would go back and watch the other games in my conference Mm -hmm. so that i i knew what was going on so there's there's a lot of time in the weekend that you just you don't get to sit back like you're saying and watch so during covid when the pac-12 didn't use reporters at all during covid So this was the first time in probably eight or nine years that I got to sit there and watch college football. And my friends in the area, they're like, oh, well, Jill's not going to be out on Saturday. Like, she's busy. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. You know why? Because I haven't been able to do this forever. And I love it. Uh Uh-huh. So let's talk about how often you would travel with your job. You took a trip to the Czech Republic Right. Um, yeah. And tell us about about that uh, about that trip. So I work a world junior hockey tournament every year for NHL Network. I have done it now seven times. Uh, Sweden, Finland, the Czech Republic, Canada, a bunch, and one year in Buffalo. <laughs> Which That's one right. of these That's is not like right. the others? So uh, <laughs> in 2019-2020, it's always over Christmas and New Year's, um, I was in... Ostrava, Czech Republic. It's the third largest city there. Wow. Uh, so the United States, we got bounced in the quarterfinals. It wasn't our best. Uh, no. We had meddled four years 
for the four years previous to that. So that was kind of a big disappointment. But then I just stuck around. I already had my flight out, right? Like you're you're in the Czech Republic, like just stay. So I did and I mingled with all of the fans and I was there with 10 teams from around the world. That's that's how this tournament oh, is cool. is held. And I took a long flight back from London to Phoenix and I got sick the next day. And, this and I is thought, oh, of course. January 7th, 2020. January 7th, 2020. And I was like, well, after that long of a flight, there are germs everywhere. I'm usually pretty good about this. My immune system has seen it all. And I got sick. So I went in and I thought it was strep throat, right? Like this thing was attacking my throat really, really viciously the next morning, two days after. So I said, all right, let me go get the meds, kick this, get rid of it. And I went in and the doctor's like, well, you're negative for everything. So yeah. it's probably just some virus that you got and it'll go away on its own. And I thought, perfect. I know the difference between bacteria and a virus. So I'm just going to wait for this thing to leave my system. And I got real mad when I was still sick seven days later. Yeah. I was like, what? What is this? This isn't a, like the flu. It all just leaves. And I was sick for two weeks and come to find out, like, I am certain that it was COVID at the time because uh -huh. we were around all sure. of these people in Europe when when the virus was now, as we know, clearly out by that point in time. Oh, yes, we do know. So have you gotten the antibody test? No. Everybody was saying that it would only last for three months when it first came out. And then I thought, well, do I need to go pay like 150 or 200 bucks for them to tell me I had it when I know all of the symptoms that I had, I know the length of time that I had it for is what everybody else is saying for all their symptoms. And they're like, oh, but could you taste and smell? I was like, I didn't, I was sick. I don't know. Right? Yeah. Like how much was I even eating at that point when you're sick? You know, you don't, you don't pay attention to those things. I mean, it's the most sick I've ever been. I had it in December of 2020. So I was, you were a trendsetter. Yeah. <laughs> I came in at the end, but it affects everybody differently. It truly does like i lost my voice I, I i remember i got it in gosh i want to say early december i'm not positive but uh, we came back in here after the first of the year and i still could barely talk in fact my voice to this moment hasn't fully recovered uh but everybody reacts differently to it it's such a strange manipulated virus it just so yeah. I had COVID and jet lag at the same oh, time. So that's right. really You're exciting. on a 12-hour delay or something, right? Really fun. Oh, my. Yeah, that does not sound... Uh, it sounds memorable, but not in a good way. So did you specifically then go to the University of Iowa to study broadcasting? I'm not joking when I say I went to the University of Iowa for football and basketball, right? Like, I studied communications and business while I was there. Uh -huh. Yes, I took the journalism class. But you weren't kidding earlier when you said I went for the I, tickets. I'm not joking. That that <laughs> was my education. And it was cool. Like, I had a public access show for two years, right? Like, it was live to tape 30 minutes straight through no commercials. Wow. So if that thing went south, yeah. you have to figure out how to get it back. And I think that that was one of the best things that I ever did because we didn't have bosses telling us like, oh, change this, do that. You could watch it back and see what you needed to change uh -huh. very easily, right? At that stage in my career of college, trying to figure out hmm. how, do, how do I become a better broadcaster, right? Like, yeah. what am I doing with my hands right now? Why do I keep doing that? And, yeah. and it, you know, if, if a topic didn't work and it 
just bombed, then you have to figure out how to move on from that. So hold on a second. I'm trying to figure this out here in my mind. So what years were you there? I was there from 2003 to 2007. So you probably avoided this stuff instantly showing up on the internet or YouTube right. or YouTube was just, out, yeah. but it was just yep. coming out. Yep. So nobody really knew what right. to do with it Can yet. Can you imagine if everything you did when you were trying to learn your craft was out there forever? I would put it on a private channel, right? Like right, nobody right. else can see this. Yeah. I can see it and I can share a link with whoever I want. That's how I would Because do it. see, I had a radio show back in college that I thought was just, oh, this is great. This is the greatest thing ever. I, and I've talked about this on this podcast before that my kids and I sat around recently and listened to a little bit of one of the shows and they just mocked me, rightfully so, mercilessly. And I thought to myself, I could destroy these, but nah, I won't. I won't do that. I, I want my grandchildren, my great. I want them to be able to hear my voice and all that stuff. But the quality of the programming was horrific, and I just am so grateful the internet was in its infancy back then. Yeah, I have shows on a DVD somewhere still that they <laughs> they may or may not make it through a couple more moves if I if I keep going around. So, <laughs> oh, they got lost. Sorry, yeah. everybody. Yeah, yeah. No, it's uh. But then, but see now, if you actually do lose them, that's more of a panic than that's actually true. holding on to them. Because you're true. like, oh my gosh, who's got access to these well, now? you just take a hammer to them and then they're done. Yeah. Right out of college, you are in the world of broadcasting, but you have held, like all of us, other jobs along the way, primarily what in high school and stuff like that. You worked at the mall? What, what did, did you do at the mall? Um, so I always wanted to get 50% off all of my TV outfits. Your motivation for education... And job seems, well, creative. What do I need in life? And how do I get it? And how do I get other people to pay me to do that? Wow, that's a good That plan. was my whole life yeah. strategy straight out of college. Like, I want to go to a lot of games, and I don't want to pay to go to a lot of games. <laughs> so I got paid to go to games for 13 years. I mean, there I it is. I got to go to the Final Four, CFPs. Super Bowl radio row in New York and Arizona and all that like oh cool there were cool cool events along the way and I got paid to be there and then and then with with the mall stuff you got fifty yeah. percent off That's your right. clothing like what store were you at I was at that? Ann Taylor back in the day okay professional enough to sure. be on TV I see you know? okay yeah yeah did you ever have to eat in the food court I mean have to eat in the food court I'm just or saying got that, to eat in the food court. I mean there's court. been an era in my life where Yes, I did. I worked at the mall yeah. at Radio Shack. Ah, uh, had to eat in the food court. Just the loneliest place <laughs> when you work there and yeah. you and you realize this is your escape for the day. Yeah, this is my 15 minutes. This is my This is it. Let's go get some corn dog nuggets, guys. <laughs> Tell us about Brian Movelson. Oh, yeah. He is my boss, mentor, everything. So, Move, as we call him. <laughs> nice. um, he is the greatest marketing person that I've ever met in my entire life. The greatest networker, right? Like, you can walk into a room with 600 people and he'll know 400 of them. And we're wow. like, how is that humanly possible, right? Wow. Just one of those guys that has that trait. Yeah, yeah. So, he was a global marketing guy for EA Sports and, like, the Madden tournaments oh, and cool. all that. Like, pretty yeah. cool stuff. But I met him. Because he was Brent Musburger's spotter. So a lot of people don't know what that is. Yeah. So when you're a play-by-play -play guy up in the booth, 
you have somebody that's standing next to you, right? Brent is looking for the ball carrier, the wide receiver, and Mauve's job was to look for flags and whoever was going to make the tackle, right? So they have a board in front of them with all of the names and numbers, and it's all the same every week, so you know where that's going to be. So Mobileson would just point on the board, right, like 53 with the tackle. And so Brent doesn't miss a beat when he's mm-hmm. calling the game. Mm-hmm. And that's that's just kind of the the way that yeah. TV works. Um, and so he was there with him for, I want to say, 15 years. He was with Al Michaels for five years as well. Um, and so he was just up in the booth, and I was back at the University of Iowa my junior year and wanted to get into sports TV. And I knew that college game day was coming to town, and I knew that we were going to have the Brent Musburger, Kirk Herbstreet crew calling our game. So I went to our sports information department, which is the you know all the people that are there in charge of running the football programs from a communication standpoint. And I was like, I need some email addresses. Nice. They already knew who I was at mm-hmm. this point. Um, and so I got the emails of a, the producer for that show and uh, for college game day as well. And I just showed up at the TV trucks. That's... They said, we still need somebody to work the game. Cool. And I was like, again, you're going to pay me. Yep. To go watch this football game when I'm in high school now is only a hundred bucks, but still a hundred dollars to a college kid is like amazing. Yeah, I mean, I, I, so, that's what I got paid to be a um, a runner, a runner for uh, Nebraska UCLA in 1994, where I got to literally sit on the field and do nothing the entire time. Steve yeah. Cyphers was yeah. the guy I had to walk around and carry the cable for exactly. just just pregame and halftime, literally. That is all I had to do. Yeah. Now, I had some classmates that had to do a lot more tough jobs. Actual they, work. they drew uh, the short straws. So, yeah, that's that's what I was. Yeah. I was a runner for them, okay. and I was called the booth assistant, is what ah. they they called that. And basically, they're like, "Oh, Brent and Kirk, they'll like you. You know, you'll you'll help them out with whatever they need before the game. If they need an additional roster, if they need coffee, literally whatever you want." Uh huh. Um, and so there I was, like Kirk Herbstreet, talking trash to me. As we go to commercial break in the third quarter, because Ohio State's just crushing us at this point. He's like, you are going down. It's over. And I was like, oh, this is my life. Like, this is real life right now. This This is is incredible. (laughs) So I worked a bunch of games with them. And then I ended up going out and doing a Rose Bowl with them. um, Actually, two of them. And... Then fast forward back to the Oregon days, Mobile Sim brought Brent in to have a a football dinner kickoff, like the season type of thing for for a bunch of the big donors and and all that. And Brent walks up and he's like, hey, Jill, how are you? And I was like, guys, Brent Mossberger knows my name without anybody having to tell him. (laughs) My my cool. life is complete. You you can say whatever you want from this point on. Like that was it for me. That is so cool. That is I, I love that story. So it's fun. Uh, it's so cool on one level, right, to be there. But at the same time, as I go back to finding the the the, the little gray cloud, there is that you know while you're covering sports you can't be enjoying it yeah you're just working working and it's like but i would say like the moments that i was able to be on the field for the amount of things that i heard that i could not report back because (laughs) you can't say that stuff on Uh tv right um those moments were awesome yeah just while i was in it yeah yeah uh, my big uh payment from espn that day in 1994 wasn't so much the hundred dollar paycheck it was 
I asked uh, before we closed down shop at the end of the night, I asked one of the floor guys, hey, uh, do you have any of these extra ESPN banners? And they gave it to me. So I have this huge, you know, old school ESPN banner that was... That was worth that. That was worth it more to me than anything else. That exactly, day. like you get a little piece and yeah. you get to hold on to that and and keep it with you forever. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's shift gears here. Let's talk about music. And let's talk about Taylor Swift. Mm. Yes. What would you like to know? <laughs> I don't know that I want to know anything. I've tried to get into. I have sincerely tried to get into Taylor Swift music. I really have. Okay. I will say that there has been at least one moment where I remember liking a song and, and using the old Shazam app on my phone and going, oh, no, I do like this. Yeah, but she creates a good hook. But in general, I don't know. Help Sell, sell, sell us on Taylor Swift. Um, I'm obsessed with T-Swizzle. That's the problem here. It's like, not that you're a fan. You, you admit that you are obsessed. Yeah, like uh, I'm just going to. Oh, no just show you my phone here exactly. right this is just my library and it's just it those are all taylor like, are that's all it taylor. somebody was like oh what what's your top um spotify and yeah. i was like guys why do i need spotify why do i need to pay for taylor every month i'm just gonna buy the album and have it for life uh-huh. and just keep playing that you, you you don't listen to anything else i mean i like bob seeker <laughs> That's like it's a it's such a different that is quite a thing. quite a spectrum um, run there. But I feel like when I go on a road trip, I love like Bob Seger's greatest hits. Uh, but otherwise, I mean, it's it's a lot of Taylor. It's a lot of talk radio. Uh huh. And Taylor. Sounds you like, can judge me. I don't care. I no. fully own it. No, it sounds, and sounds good. I don't, she, I don't really care. Yeah. Okay. Have you ever been to a Taylor Swift show? Yes. I mean, if you're obsessed, you probably have. I have been. How many? three not that many i mean she's had more than that i haven't been able to go to all of them okay well that's cool so you're judgment a- judgment oh pff, yes we'll get back into our conversation with jill savage in just a moment but first let's chat about the world of cbd products and how they may be just the thing for you to help with some struggles you might be facing dr monroe's cbd.com is the one-stop shop on the web if you're looking for ways to ease the pain, but also if you're having trouble getting restful sleep, if you're battling anxiety, depression, or stress. And a great way to introduce yourself to CBD is through chewable gummies. These things are so good, they are gonna help you without getting you high and without you having to worry about failing a drug test either. I hope you'll give it a shot. Gummies from Dr. Monroe's CBD.com. And don't forget, you're gonna save 15% off your purchase when you type in promo code Keith. That's my name, K-E-I-T-H. That's the promo code you're going to use over at DrMonroe'sCBD.com. So you are a big Taylor Swift fan. Correct. But you're also a big Steve Dace fan. Correct. Who is a co-worker of mine on The Blaze. Your latest book that you've read was one that he and Todd Erzin, previous uh, guest on the podcast, both of them, uh, their book, The Fauci and Bargain. Mm-hmm. Good stuff, huh? Really good stuff. They <laughs> they went out there and said all of the things that, ironically enough, we're seeing on the news media. Right? Isn't that uh, something? These last few weeks, it's been really interesting to be like, oh, I already knew that. And my friends, right? Like, 
I remember just telling my friends, like, it didn't come from a bat. It <laughs> came from a lab in Wuhan. And John Stewart's making that argument a lot easier. Mm-hmm. But if you wanted to actually dive deeper into it, yeah. they were like, but how do you know that? I'm like, Bro. because it makes sense, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, it just so happens to be the only level four biolab in the area, like, in the whole, in the whole you know, province of China, like there, that's it. That's all you got right just, here down ironic. the road. Yeah, just ironic. Uh, it, and it, like, that's a really strange coincidence. And I don't, I didn't believe that. And that was really hard for people to believe anything else than what they were told. Right. And that is the overarching thing that we saw throughout COVID in every shape and form. Yeah. Yep. 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 Great book. Fauci and Bargain by Steve Dace. Now I want you to tell us about the Federal Reserve. Yes, my favorite topic. <laughs> and the creature from Jekyll Island. Yes. so Another great book. I read that during 2008, 2009. Oh, right? that's a good so time to be reading During it too. the financial crash, it was, you're flipping pages and you're like, oh my gosh. We're when, living this. When did he write this book? He wrote this book, you know, like 20 years ago. And... Just going, oh my, this is literally what's in the news. Again, like much like Fauci and Bargain. Mm-hmm. And now we're seeing that play out. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe my timing of books was just really good back in, in 2008 as well. And I will never forget. Chapter two is called The Name of the Game is Bailout. And I'm like, what? <laughs> You've got to be kidding me. What timing, right? Right. And I'm like, this is exactly what it was set up to do. Don't let them fool you, right? Like, this was the actual playbook from the beginning is the banks, you know, they're never going to have to have any of the responsibility on them. It is always going to be pushed over to the taxpayers. So that is... Every time. That is like the thing that I geek out the most over and all of my football crew, I would like sneak in lessons for them. And they were, I don't know if they really, at some point they were into it because they knew they didn't have a choice. And they're like, well, Jill's just going to tell us all this stuff. So I guess, I guess we're going to listen. But I like to think that they learned something along the way. So I would take little nuggets here and there and, and bring it, bring it to the people. Have you ever read the book? Captains in the Kings. No. Add it to my list? Add it to your list. Okay. And then get back to me. Okay. I'll just throw that out there. Taylor Caldwell, I believe. Captains and the Kings. I, I, I enjoyed that book. And it just, I'll leave it there. I don't, I don't, I don't want to pull a Glenn Beck and okay. like ruin and it. You know what I mean? Because yeah. like, it's like, you got to see this movie. This is how Glenn sells it. You know, like, you got to see this movie. It's so great. Uh, what happens is the opening scene. The guy does this, and then by the end of the movie, you're like, wait, I thought the opening scene, it had no relevance to the last shot, and then all this stuff, and you're like, Glenn, Glenn, I've just seen the movie by you talking about it for the last 10 minutes. But he saved me from watching Noah, so I'll, I'll thank him for that, because uh-huh. The Rock people. Uh-huh. He's yes. like, we can't, we can't do that. <laughs> He's like, they wanted me that. to say something nice about them, yes. and I couldn't. <laughs> there was nothing nice to say. So good. Okay, your favorite app is Twitter. Yeah, I'm on it all the That's time. That's where I go to lose friends. Yeah, yeah so I um, I was convinced <laughs> around the time, um, you know, obviously conservatives lose people on Twitter all the time yes. just as a way of life. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I would bookmark a lot of things. I wouldn't even like it. I would just bookmark it so nobody else knew. But the app knew. The people knew, right? The, uh, the Twitter people 
new. Oh, I was losing followers. Oh, you're gonna, you're gonna love Captains and the Kings. But anyway, continue. Yeah, no, I that <laughs> I mean, I could tell there was a correlation mm-hmm. yeah, oh, between there's... the two because I wasn't tweeting anything. Like sure. I don't put a ton of stuff out there, so there was no reason for a ton of people to just say, "Ah, oh, we're done." At that like that same time sure. frame, oh, well, that that's are... all happening. Oh, there, there. It's like you. Every few months, there's a purge on Twitter, and it's always conservatives, and good times. So. When do we have, like, the conservatives coming out party, right? Like, we have Pride Month, and why can't we have, like, the conservative month, right? We're, we are, like we should be a, a protected class at this point well, in and, time. And we're greedy by nature. That's how they label us, right? Yeah. So we need to make sure that it's a month with 31 days. Right. None of these 28, 30. Yeah, February I want, is out. I want the full 31 days. So let's pick a month right now. Let's go with, and I want the weather to be nice, too. Okay. Okay. Because if, if we're, we're going to be outside course, marching. So let's think uh, maybe October. So October is conservative coming out month. Yeah. I'm going to um, make that official right now here on At The Mic. October is, I like that idea. Nice job. There, there has to be something like that at some point, right? Everybody else is a protected class. Everybody else has their, well, yeah. their banners, their flags, their sure. month. Where, where's our cereal boxes? Yeah, loving the Constitution is now counterculture. Absolutely. Yep. I like it. So like many people, I would imagine, the biggest turning point in your life is COVID, the era of COVID, yeah. Safe to say. I mean, especially considering your line of work was shut down. <laughs> there, for, there was no work. Right, right, right. Oh, sports, we don't need them. But you're also involved in a train that barrels down the tracks that isn't necessarily affected by shutdowns, and it's Bitcoin. I am learning so much through encounters with different people, and you're one of those people, give us some information, the average person that maybe is familiar enough with Bitcoin to know kind of what it is, but maybe not enough to actually put money into it. Yeah, and so I was one of those people that back when Bitcoin was around, I would say $4,000, I had a couple of cameramen in Los Angeles that we worked with on, on the football scene. Um, and we all knew the Federal Reserve and all that. We hated all that. We were on the same train and gold, silver. And then they were like, yeah, but you need to get into Bitcoin. You need some crypto in your life. Nice. And I was like, yeah, I don't think so. I, oh, no. You know, no. It sounds good, but a digital gold, uh, I don't know about that, right? <laughs> passed. Uh-oh. Hey, Stupid. You're looking right? at somebody right? who passed at that time as well-ish, yes. Going back in time, I wish. Yeah. Bye. Buy a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I waited and I waited and I waited. Um, and I was still convinced that the $20,000 was the peak. It was a bubble. I didn't understand the rest that kind of went into Bitcoin. And Bitcoin, like, in my opinion, like, you just look at it and it's a math problem each time and the having and, and you just, you can dive in deeper. And there are different ways to project where it's going to be now you have to know that volatility mm-hmm. is part of it yeah. because it's a completely free market nobody manipulates it yep. right you look at the stock market jay powell he was speaking and the markets fluctuate on his every word right oh we're gonna tighten in 2023 we have two years for that oh boy the market didn't like that that's that's two years down the road so Bitcoin, you go back to, to that, and my family started in the mining 
sector. How cool. And I learned so much in such a short amount of time um, about megawatts and transistors. And you just get through the different layers of energy and how it doesn't always mine 100% of the time, right? Like if energy prices go up, the mine shut off. You can go from fully running to off in 10 seconds, right? Like just flip the switch, they go off because it's not economically viable for you to be mining at that time. So it's really cool to learn how Bitcoin mining actually helps stabilize the power grid. Mm. You can bring power into remote areas with mining. And I think that you look at the green sector as a whole, right? Like we all know we're going to bring on more wind, more solar, more hydro, right? Like it or not, it's happening. Sure. And Bitcoin mining is the most economical way that we've ever seen to entice the green mm. energy sector because you can't store green energy. It It's there and mm. it leaves. Mm-hmm. So mining is there to take in that excess power, essentially, right? If, if you don't use the wind from that day in West Texas, it can go into a Bitcoin mine and they can turn off, right? When we all need to have our air conditioning on and in the afternoons in the Texas summer. Mm. So that's that's a pretty cool thing. So not too late for someone to get involved with Bitcoin. No, if you listen to, uh, there's a guy named Raul Paul and he has created Real Vision. He's the CEO of Real Vision. I call that the financial Netflix. He'll go and say, this is, this is the discovery of America again, oh, in wow. terms of its relevance. That's a cool phrase for this. To what Bitcoin will bring because it's not just America it's not just China it's it's the billions of people across the world that this is able to help wow. and I, I know that a lot of people look at it and they say oh we have banks we don't need it it's gonna the United States is never gonna let it happen but you look at El Salvador right at the Bitcoin conference that I was just at that was the big announcement at the mm-hmm. end of the conference that El Salvador was going to have bitcoin as a an actual currency currency for their for their country they also have the u.s dollar so one of the cool things that el salvador has now said uh, for the businesses if people pay you in bitcoin you now have the option as a business to keep it in bitcoin or you can automatically transfer it out to u.s dollars and 48 percent of businesses that were studied in this and it just happened like two weeks ago they said they are going to keep their money in Bitcoin, mm-hmm. right? So it's it's an early adoption. It's something else that you look at, and they said like 70% of people there didn't have a bank account. Wow. So it's something that when you look at Africa, El Salvador, all of these other remote places, it really does make sense. And I, I look at Bitcoin as the future uh, base layer of the monetary system. Things are easier. It's technology, right? Like if you don't want to know the blockchain and all the back stuff that goes into it, Mm -hmm. if you just know that it is a more technological advancement in finance, in banking, just making that easier for billions of people around the world, it's going to win because of that alone. And I think that, and I've thought this since that announcement about El Salvador, that we're going to look back as a society years from now and always go back and thank El Salvador in our minds for being 
kind of that pioneer as far as a nation state, you know. Willing to take a chance. Right. And, right? And like nobody else was showing, going to hey, step up This yet. is cool, guys. You can, the water is fine. Come on in. And I think that that's going to be a big catalyst for other countries, corporations, and so on that are going to really send yeah. Bitcoin to the moon. And you have so <laughs> much growth ahead yeah. because it's not in 401ks yet. It's not an ETF yet. When you get that level you're going to have so many more Americans, first of all, just have more easier access to it. And the rest of the world will come on board because the, it will, it creates incentives, right? There are so many different companies that have come up because of Bitcoin. And the innovation yeah. is at a level that is unparalleled. Like the, the, the way that this moves and how quickly things can change and new products can be built in this space it's really, if you want some hope, right? Like this is a sector where you can build something and it's not just tearing down and, mm -hmm. and all the, the rest of the stuff that we hear in the news all the time. I'm sold. Yes, <laughs> there okay. it is. If you could go back in history and meet one person, Ronald Reagan is your pick. Why is that? Yeah, I see him right there uh, on the wall. Oh, I've, yeah. I've been looking at Ronnie Sorry. the whole time. I, didn't, I never even realized that, that what's over my shoulder here on the wall for the perspective of the person sitting over here to my right. Yeah, yeah, I have a, uh, there's a listener to Pat Gray Unleashed. That's my day job. And uh, every year, she lives right down the street from the... Reagan Library. And every year, Donna Coolyard. Hi, Donna. Thank you so much. She sends me the Reagan calendar for the year. I love the Reagan Library. It's yeah. so pretty out there. there. Very, yeah. very good spot. Go visit it. Um, yeah, but I love Ronald Reagan because he was the great communicator, right? Mm -hmm. Like, he knew exactly how to message his position. And he wasn't going to stand up and just take whatever the lefts were going to send at him, right? Like he's like, no, I'm going to reject that. And I'm going to go over here and tell you why. And picking out one person and making a story and a narrative fit around that one person. Um, I know that his idol was Calvin Coolidge before him, limited <laughs> government. And yes. every time like I would take those tests, like Who, which president are you? I'd get Calvin Coolidge. And I'd be like, dang it, can great? I get Reagan? <laughs> no. but, but I know, but he yeah. was he yeah. was the one that, that really started that off. And limited government, believing in yourself. You can go out there and create anything that you want to, right? Morning in America again. There's hopeful mm -hmm. messages that came out of it. And everything about communication limited government all of that resonated with me so much that it, it, it's just one of those things that i knew as a young child like i was really cool with reagan as a president and i remember i was like i don't know maybe 12 years old and clinton got elected <laughs> and i was just so sad i already yep. knew like at that point too. in time Isn't like that weird i had is, that same this feeling this is not a good thing <laughs> okay well better go to bed got school tomorrow oh yeah what I've written down for you here, while you've been talking, I've been writing down some some reading assignments for you. Obviously, the uh, Captains and the Kings uh, by Caldwell and uh, Coolidge by Amity Schley. So that oh, you'll, perfect. That you'll need to uh, the need Forgotten to... Man, Amity Schley. Also, there yes, same author. You there got go. it. Nailed it. Okay. Um, have you been to Italy? 
uh, so, yeah, a couple I times. I couldn't tell yeah. from your answer if that was just someplace you wanted to get, but uh, your answer was, uh, <laughs> well, first of all, the question was like a bucket list or something you want to accomplish in your lifetime. As many trips to Italy as humanly possible, she says. So um, tell us about Italy, because I've never been we, there. We can go full circle back to Ann Taylor when I worked over there. Uh-huh. I had a manager who was actually younger than I was, and I call her like the third Olsen twin, Mary-Kate Ashley. She looks just like them. <laughs> okay. Like super stylish, super into fashion. She ended up marrying an Italian wine owner on the coast of Tuscany. Oh. And I was like, Brittany, uh-huh. thank you. Because now I have a place. I was gonna say I'm gonna need that address ever <laughs> to go visit. So actually, after one of the hockey tournaments, when I was in Finland, I knew I didn't have basketball games for three weeks. Okay. So I spent two and a half weeks running around Italy, and then flew back and, and did basketball and wow. back to work. Um, so that was still in January, and I got to go and do all of the big bucket list things with zero lines. Right, like I was walking up. Um, in the the streets in Florence, and I couldn't find the entrance for the Statue of David spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it really wasn't marked well on the street, and I was like, "Where is this?" You'd think that there'd be people around there, but it was just such an off time for tourists that I had to wait for two people in front of me mm. to take my picture. How cool! And so it was it was definitely cool, but the best kindest people there they love sharing their food and their culture and the sure. best food is in tuscany they all have their it's not at different... the olive garden no right, right? Okay. oh and I'm, <laughs> and I'm now really picky about my italian food that's that's the downside of going to italy yeah oh yeah. you got you have another recommendation yeah, for get, me yeah, thank yeah, you because so. i've been looking for okay, these cool. in dallas all right uh let's see here do you speak italian um, I speak bad words that they taught us at the wedding, which we just then walked around saying, forgetting like that the other half of the of the wedding party were Italians and knew what those words meant. And we're like, that's what they taught us. Let, let, let me paint a picture for the audience. I've been writing down stuff and tossing it to you. Now I'm tossing my post-it notes and my Sharpie so that you, for me, can write down bad words in Italian that I will be able to use uh, at will in my life so thank you for for that what is currently in your amazon cart right um, now anything that the insta girls tell me to put Wait, in my cart that there, there's like a there's like the a, influencers uh-huh. i i follow a couple of them listen like i don't know terrible which, word that's so i just can't stand that word i know but influencers. that's that's what they're called so listen I, we're called talent okay you're called talent i'm called producer i'm called you know, whipping it's not boy. it's not much better, right? Like yeah. talent. Okay, whatever. Uh, <laughs> no, but influencers, funny. yeah. Like what? So, the, like, are they not just basically infomercials? They are, so, but I follow the ones that I actually like and trust. There, there's not a huge market of like authentic influencers. There's just a couple of them that I find to be likable, mm-hmm. and I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I'll, I'll give you that small commission that you're going to make off uh-huh. of this because I do want that item. Okay. Well, what's the uh, greatest thing that you've purchased from a, an influencer? Oh, I mean, all of my clothes come from influencers or Poshmark, either way. What's Poshmark? Uh, it's an app where you resell your clothes. Again, being on TV, like there's there's a lot of cycling through clothes, right? 
Huh. So I wear them a couple times, and then you're like, well, I've worn that on TV. Like, everybody's seen it. Guys can wear the same suits over yeah. and over yeah. and over again. You don't have, like, a wardrobe that you just thumb through? Yeah, and then I get rid of it, and I add new. It's a good system. It's a cheap system. Oh, oh. All, all, now of, the money, all of the money stays in there. Okay. In the in the Poshmark pool, and I, I just see. I'm like, oh, I get that for free essentially okay. because I sold all this. And, and you I get just, all that. I mean, you sold me at cheap. Yeah. And so, um, I like to buy things on sale. Again, yeah. you sold me at sale. I'm sorry, I'm writing down an Italian restaurant here. Uh, okay, if people want to find you on social media, Twitter, uh, just Twitter, Jill underscore Savage. Yeah. That's the, that's the best place. I mean, Jill. I have Instagram, but nobody, like, whatever. Yeah, I don't have you can anything. You can see old pictures of me at football games. <laughs> Is it still Jill, Jill Savage okay, Jill Savage okay. underscore at the All end? Because right. yeah. the, there's a Christian author who is also named Jill Savage. Okay. That's not me. All right. Um, but she has gone through and, and she beat me to Twitter, oh. Instagram, JillSavage.com. Like, don't go to any of these places. It's not me. Now it's you've her. got the underscore you have to deal with. Yeah kind of tragic don't yep. you think because it's not the underscore on the keyboard is not conveniently placed you got to do the shift and then you got to reach over here well i guess on the on the phone it's not quite that way old man sorry uh, wow but it's still it's still annoying right it is. you it's, know it's a hassle we it don't is. we don't need to do it but we do okay. apparently we do yeah all right uh and and so do follow jill jill underscore savage on twitter just to find out all the exciting stuff that she's up to because yeah, there'll the, be a lot of Bitcoin stuff lately. That's yay. that's the world. Okay, very good. A anything that we've missed? Anything I need to cover? Go back talk about here. Or are we good? Uh, no, I mean lots of Italian trips in my future. Couldn't go during COVID. Mm -hmm. Can't wait to get back. Lots of lots of good food. Well, that's... then you'll have use for that Instagram page again. Exactly. All right, Jill Savage. Thanks so much for joining me on at the mic. Thanks for having me. I had such a great time chatting with Jill. I especially enjoyed learning naughty Italian words on the down low. That's kind of what was going on here behind the scene, behind the scenes. Uh, this is one episode where having a camera rolling in the studio would have actually been a lot of fun. And if you have fun listening to this podcast, I hope you'll rate and review it over on iTunes. Be sure to follow us, share this podcast with your friends. I really would be grateful if you wouldn't mind helping this podcast grow. You are actually the key to getting this show into more earbuds. And don't forget, you can catch up on any episodes you've missed or... Your friends and family that you're sharing the show with can go and check out the entire archive of our shows at atthemikeshow.com. It's just easy as sending that link to your friends and family, and I hope that you will. Atthemikeshow.com. Next week, I'm going to sit down with my physical therapist. Yeah, I injure myself that often that I actually have a guy. <laughs> His name is Chad Womble. He's going to be my guest. He's going to sit down with us next week, and I hope you'll join us for that. Until then, go be free, and thank you for listening. This has been At The Mic with Keith, an independent podcast production. Head to atthemikeshow.com for archived episodes, sponsor information, and ways to connect. Yeah.